Welcome to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hernan Murdoch. Today on the show, we are joined by Al Garin, Managing Director of Audit Executive Advisory Services. In this episode, we talk about character traits for success in internal audit, what auditors should do as we move into the post-pandemic phase characterized by work-from-home arrangements and fewer visits to the office, and positive actions you can take to advance your career as an internal auditor. All that and more, starting now. Let's go back to the beginning, Al, uh, and let's talk a little bit about uh, your upbringing and how that shaped who you became as an individual and how that contributed to becoming who you are today. Just a quick bit in terms of that character-building aspect that helped you in your career. Yeah, uh, thanks, Hernan, and pleasure to be with you today. Um, you know, going back in time, I guess, you know, I'd start with, uh, you know, as a child born in uh, New York, spent my formative years on Long Island. My dad was in residential home construction and ran his own business. And so, um, you know, seeing him, um, you know, dedicated to being in essence, the entrepreneur, hard work, lots of hours. Um, in hindsight, you know, there were, there, were, there were good times and bad times, yet there was always food on the table. There was always, you know, his dedication to family first, as hard as he worked, um, and growing up in that environment. Um, and I remember that because he was an entrepreneur, he would have, you know, his accountant come by the house. And so, you know, I mean, it was a good number of years ago, so you got to bear with me here, but having this guy show up at the house, sit at the kitchen table, running numbers with a 10 key adding machine with a fancy briefcase. I mean, I was like, I want to be that guy, you know? Um, <laughs> and so that was, that was the seeds. Um, and then, uh, you know, as a teenager, we moved to the Tampa Bay area and went through all of the culture shock of going from the Northeast to, to Florida um, and making some of those adjustments. Um, hard work, the value of diversity um, came through to me um, in some of those early experiences in my life and, and formed a lot of the direction that came after that. This is very interesting, Al, because as you're describing that, uh, and you mentioned entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial spirit, I think that's an important quality within internal audit. As we think in terms of how we become a, a, a business-minded operation within the organization, thinking about what matters most, uh, the, the cost-benefit dynamic of everything that we do and prioritization and so on. So I think that that is very important. And of course, hard work, determination, discipline, very important attributes uh, of, of successful auditors in general. So when we think about uh, your entry into internal audit, how did that happen and, and how did that help to, to interest you to make you join and stay in internal audit? The, the old um, going to college and not knowing internal audit was even an option. Um, uh -huh. I was so focused on, you know, accounting degree, CPA, and expecting I was going to go work for one of the firms. And that was where the mentality of the professors was. It was all mm -hmm. about graduating people and getting them into the firms. 
Uh, well, I was living at home and I was funding my own college education. And I had the opportunity to, you know, go work a job, flipping burgers somewhere, working at the local mall or finding something more substantive. And the school that I was at, University of South Florida, had a cooperative education program. Basically, what you would do would be you'd go to work for an employer for a semester and you'd go back to school for a semester and you'd rotate okay. back forth for a minimum of three working semesters. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed with two companies. I interviewed with Tampa Electric Company to be a co entry-level cost accountant. And I interviewed with Barnett Banks of Florida to be an entry-level internal auditor. Guess okay. which one I got. If I did not <laughs> get that job as an internal auditor at the bank, I never would have known that existed and my career would have been completely different. Better? Mm -hmm. I don't know, but different. Um, I don't think better. Um, you know, and so it was by happenstance that I stumbled on internal audit. So the one thing I will say to that story, which is, um, really um, hardened my resolve, was at the end of each of those rotational semesters, you would have to go back. You'd have to do a what I did during my summer vacation type of report. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. for, okay. your, for your stint, what did you do? And you'd have to get one of the accounting professors to sign off on it. Okay. And so the accounting professor I went to said, why are you wasting your time with internal audit when you should be oh, in my. the accounting profession? <laughs> I won't repeat what I thought about that gentleman, but he, he hardened wow. my resolve that internal audit was exactly what I wanted to do. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you did it your way. Very good. Congratulations. No, but it's an interesting dynamic that you're describing here, because in many cases, uh, that's really the, the, the direction, right? There is kind of a feeder uh, from accounting degrees into the, the, the public accounting field, but there's so much more and, and so much more diversity in internal audit. We've come a long way, of course, and the IA has done a great job with advocacy work, and we still need to do more, but we've come a long way over the last uh, few years. So, one of the things that I would like to, to, to talk a bit about now, if you will, is in terms of the, the direction things are going within the profession, right? And let's talk about risks and technology. So what do you see happening there? You've been in this field for so long. Uh, what do you see in terms of risk and technologies that we should be on the lookout for? I could start spouting a list of things that have ac a bunch of acronyms with it and all that kind of stuff between, you know, but... To me, the point is really, I'm gonna turn the tables on it. The point is really about adding value and making a difference. Uh -huh. And if we're going to add value and we're gonna um, make a difference in our organizations, we can't keep doing things the way we've always done them. It won't mm -hmm. work. And so that does mean adopting new technology. It does mean, um, you know, rethinking everything we do, you know. Um, and so I think the question, the old, you know, um, begin with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. You yes. know, we can get enamored with um, AI and RPA and, and, and agile and all that stuff. And all of that stuff is critically important. But just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you should do it. Begin with the end in mind. Have a strategic plan. 
what do we, how are we going to be adding value and making a difference in our organizations five years from now? And then reverse engineer how you're going to get there. And it's people, it's process, it's technology, it's systems, it's relationships, it's infrastructure, it's everything. Without a strategic plan, then we're just where we're, everything looks like a new toy. Everything looks like, a ooh, we ought to do that. Ooh, we ought to do that. Well, maybe and maybe not. And so I'm not really answering your question uh, with specifics because I think that's tactical. I think the answer is, and where I think the, the, that some of the profession really get it and some are missing the boat is being strategic with the function. I actually think you answered my question and you answered it very well. This is how I heard what you said, that we need to be strategic, number one. You said that just now. But also we need to be resilient. We need to be adaptable. And we need to make sure that we tailor fit what we do with the needs of the organization. Of course, that's going to bring maturity levels and things like that to the equation. But don't just follow the herd. Don't just follow the crowd because everybody is chasing certain letters out there. But rather, what does the organization need and when does it need it? And then work towards serving the organization appropriately. So I think that that is a very, very interesting way of thinking of it because, to your point, we can get very distracted, we can get very frustrated, and we can just continue to basically try to do things that in some cases may not be appropriate for the organization at that point in time. There may be other needs that may not be similar to what other organizations are talking about or doing. And everything we need to do requires some level of funding from the organization. And yeah. if we don't have a context and we're going to the CFO, we're going to whoever we need to get approval from with the next thing we need to do, there's not going to be a context for it. But if they understand the strategic plan, you build it into your budgets and you go and you say, we need X. And the answer should be, that's a lot of money, Hal, but it is consistent with your strategic plan and you'll get what you need more often than someone asking you with the glasses at the end of their nose, why, why do you need that? You know, right. and so exactly. it is about you. So you not only need to have, be strategic and have a strategic plan, but you need to get buy-in across the organization so that when you're competing for resources in the organization, everybody goes, that's consistent with your plan. Do it. Excellent. And, and, and that syncs right up with what uh, internal auditing is all about, is it, providing that service to the organization uh, and helping them achieve their objectives. So syncing up in that regard is exactly what we need to be doing. Uh, let's take a break, because when we come back, I would like to talk some more about these dynamics that are playing out and that definitely can shape our profession in very, very positive ways. This episode is brought to you by ACI Learning. Are you looking for CPE credits, professional development, to continue your education, or a custom team training solution? Here at ACI Learning, we've been building high-quality training for over 40 years, meeting the needs of every learner. Our training solutions will keep you and your team engaged and motivated to learn, helping students stay sharp in their field and better serve the organization. Join thousands of global audit risk and compliance professionals. Visit acilearning.com to find out how we're disrupting the audit learning space. We're talking with Al Garin, and we have been talking a bit about the profession, some of the evolution, the changes happening in the profession, and how some of these things are uh, 
are begging us for really having a strategic mindset. So moving a, a bit away from that quarterly and annual view of things, but rather having a long-term view and being able to sync our work with what the organization is pursuing strategically. So as we are doing that, Al, what are some of the ways uh, that we need to approach that as relates to the first and the second lines within the organization? We have been talking about collaboration in the profession for a while. How can we go about doing that so that we can better provide overall assurance to the organization as a collective group? Yeah, I'm a big believer in internal audit being a relations business. It's about relationships. And, and we don't spend enough time um, as a generally as a profession investing in developing the three, I would say, developing, maintaining, and sustaining relationships. We get transactional. Mm -hmm. I focus on the audit. I focus on getting the audit done. I go to the next audit. I go to the next audit. I go to the next audit because the focus, the master becomes execution of the audit plan. And where I worry about it the most, Hernan, is that um, you know, in a post-pandemic world, we're still going to be spending more time and resources, more, more of our time working remotely. Mm -hmm. And we don't, we're, human nature is that when we're physically with other people, we get up, we walk around, we chat with people, we do drop-bys, we right. say, hey, let's go to lunch. All of that stuff can be replicated electronically. And right. we don't, and we don't do it because it feels more intrusive. If I wanted to, mm -hmm. if you, if you and I were in the same building and I said, you know what, I wonder, I, I got something I want to run by Hernan. I'll go look and see if you're there. If right. we're remote, right. I might, uh, he's probably busy. I'm not going to bother sending him a text right now, you know, and we fall mm -hmm. into, um, these we become more transactional as we become more yeah. transactional we lose sight of the people we need to talk to what their priorities are what's on their mind the culture of the organization and we start becoming more and more at a sight at a mind do you do you see this also uh, in one of the terms that I've heard many years ago, but again, it happens so often, in my opinion, is email auditing, where uh, <laughs> people are just sending emails back and forth, and, and that's how they are communicating. Let's call it communicating, right? But they're trying to move the project forward via email. Yeah. And, and the most frustrating thing is that they might be just a couple of cubes over when you're in a physical office environment, but we're communicating back and forth electronically. Um, yeah. So the, 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 the pandemic resulting in the evolution of a lot more remote work in perpetuity, we've got to mm -hmm. guard against the crutch of electronic communications replacing mm -hmm. the human interaction, which is important. I, I right. think, I'm not saying that, look, the way I would put it is, you know, and, you know, I've got some stuff coming out soon about this more um, in an article is that we have to treat 
is internal auditors, the work we do remotely and the work we do in office differently. And what I mean by that is when we're working remotely, many of us in home environments, it's a great time to put your head down, power through the audit, be as efficient as you possibly can to get the audit work done. And when you're right. in the office, so that's the head down stuff. When you're in the office, yeah. head up. That's the time to connect with colleagues in your team, connect with peers across the second line, connect with clients outside the scope of an audit, and be more relational in what you do and mm -hmm. try to yeah. interact. Um, and so what I find is that internal audit functions right now are being, you know, in this return to the office, you know, some people very reluctantly physically going into an office and some embracing it and everything in between, that people mm -hmm. are trying to treat those two environments as if they're the same. Uh -huh. And they're wildly yes. different. And, you know, right. so, you know, what I suggested to one CAE not too long ago was, you know, get your team in a room, whether it's virtually or, you know, in person and have a brainstorming session. What are we, what are we best at when we're not physically together? And mm -hmm. what are we best at when we are physically together? And have them come up with the list, brainstorm right. okay. it out and then say, okay, then let's do when we're, when we're re working remotely, let's focus on that. And when we're physically in the office, let's focus on the other list of stuff. And everybody's bought into that as the plan. And so you know, back to your original question, you know, about first yeah. and second line, use the time in the office to really rekindle those relationships that have been eroding in many respects. Another thing that you highlight there is something that I've been reading quite a bit about lately, where a lot of people are reluctant to go to the office is because they don't feel there's any purpose to it. They feel that whatever you do in the office, you could be doing at home. So why commute and waste you know, time and gasoline and everything else? So uh, they, 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 the request in many cases has been, well, you know, make sure that it's purposeful visit to the office so that we can feel that it's really worthwhile. So what you're highlighting is one of the ways that that can be done. And I think it's great. I think it's great advice that we really think it through because the workplace is definitely uh, changing and appears to be per uh, permanently changing uh, in a very substantial way. Now, let's talk a bit about career shaping for individuals. Some of our mm -hmm. listeners are probably thinking about where, how can I become how? How can I develop my career to the point where I excel in what I do in this profession? So what are just a couple thoughts for those who are looking up to you for some advice? Um, I'll, I'll not comment on people who want to be me because that would be a really, you know, <laughs> I would question their wisdom. But, um, you know, in I mean, most people, myself included, most people do not end up and end up in a good way in internal audit because it was their career choice. There are some, mm -hmm. but most yes. don't. 
They may stay because they liked it. They didn't realize all the value they could add. They realized they could learn more about the organization and make a greater difference than some other things they could have done in the organization. Um, you know, they, they become career internal auditors, but most people don't. So maximize your stint, learn as much as you can about the organization, leverage the thinking, the way an internal auditor thinks about the organization will serve you well throughout your career. You know, the old joke is some of the toughest auditees, I hate using that term, but the, some of the toughest auditees are people who used to be internal auditors mm -hmm. because they know okay. what you should be doing. And if they don't see right. you doing it, they get frustrated with you. So maximize your role. Something that is currently a topic du jour that really annoys me is this concept that, you know, it's just a, a, a new label on an old term. This concept of quiet quitting. Oh, yes. You know, people, and basically it is what Gallup was talking about as an organization 20 years ago about disengagement. People are, right. act, exactly. are disengaging in the organization and the job, but the, so they're doing as little as they possibly can to collect their paycheck. My advice, look around and see the quiet quitters and don't let that be you. You know, Very true. engage in your organization, engage in what their mission and their vision and their values are, because you cannot do what I've said earlier in internal audit, and that's add value and make a difference if you're disengaged. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, you know, let the world around you be those quiet quitters and don't let that be you. Al, great advice. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you and hearing uh, your thoughts about these things. And I believe that we'll all be better off by taking some of these suggestions to heart and, and applying them and making sure that we're pursuing every opportunity to learn, to make a difference, and to create a positive impact on the organization and the clients that we serve. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Skeptical Otter podcast. And a big thank you to our guest, Al Garen. If you're looking for more ways to stay ahead of the curve and earn CPEs, check out Audit Pro TV On Demand, subscription learning for auditors by auditors. Visit acilearning.com slash auditprotv.